not playing with Lex and Dan. I am Dan Morin, half of this show, and the other half is sitting right over there. It's me. It's Lex Friedman with an E. Ooh. <laughs> Two of them, if you will, look in each word. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of Lex Friedman. Mine too. <laughs> Lex, would it surprise you to know that this is our ninth season of not playing? My goodness. It actually, even though we talked about it already, it still surprises me. <laughs> I am amazed that this show is still running after nine years. We haven't been canceled yet, which is pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, yeah. If you're just tuning in for the first time, this is a show where Lex and I fill in gaps in our pop culture knowledge by watching a movie of some acclaim that one or both of us have not seen. Mm, what a good concept. Yeah, it's a great concept. Oftentimes we have a theme in our seasons. This season, I think, is just... Um, we just sort of brainstorm some movie ideas so uh we'll leave the theme to the <laughs> movies viewer. we haven't seen that we want to see <laughs> oh interesting that's, that's the theme so we're starting off tonight with one that neither of us has seen shockingly Ooh. uh it is a movie from 1990 is that correct i'm asking because i haven't seen 1995 i'm sorry oh i was supposed to do research no 1995 1995 it is the movie clueless which you already know because you saw the episode title <laughs> Ooh, yeah, why why do we play it like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what I know about the movie. Yeah. I know it stars uh, Lex's 1995 era crush, Lisa Silverstone. <laughs> I believe that the following actors are also in it. I believe that um, the ageless Paul Rudd is in it. Wow. And I believe that the guy who plays Turk on Scrubs yes, is in it. Yes, Donald Faison. I knew that. Donald Faison. That's right. And I can see from the thing that auto-played on IMDb that... Uh, the guy from The Princess Bride is in it, too. But I didn't know that until he that showed up. That could be any number of people. Yeah. Manny Patinkin? Andre the Giant's in it? <laughs> Both. And I know that... I believe it's based on Emma, or it's an adaptation yes, of Emma. I knew that as Although, well. Although, the number of things I could tell you about Emma are very small. Wallace Shawn. That's the guy who I was thinking of from Princess <laughs> okay. Bride. I don't think I know anything about Emma. I don't think I've read Emma. I've seen multiple versions of it, including the Gwyneth Paltrow movie that came out Actually, roughly the same time period, I want to say, maybe late 90s, mm. as well as the more recent Anya Taylor-Joy version, which came out maybe three or four years. It came out during the pandemic, I think, or the beginning of the pandemic. Even so, Did it I... win any Emmas? <laughs> uh, no, because it was a feature film. Ah, it won several it. Oscars. <laughs> I think you mean Academy Awards. <laughs> nope, didn't work. <laughs> this is what people tune in for. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, I think you've hit the high points of what I knew. I'd forgotten, although now when you once you mentioned Paul Rudd being in it, I did recall I had heard that. I knew Donald Faison, I knew Alicia Silverstone, and I knew it was based on Emma. And it takes place in a high school in Los Angeles, and there's a bunch of like it spawned many a catchphrase. I think wasn't it like is this sort of like a like a heyday of as if? Oh, yeah, I think it's uh, yes, right, like Valley Girl talk sort of. I think I think it's like slightly more advanced than Val- Valley Girl, which is not meant to cast a judgment on Valley Girl, but yes, I think it does have a lot of phrases and language like usage that's odd. I I my assumption is it's going to take place at like the same high school where Buffy takes place and all the LA based <laughs> shows take place. 
Uh, not the same universe. Oh, yeah, that fun. would be interesting. I would watch that. <laughs> well, you're going to watch this. I, I think it's going to be a fairly typical high school movie in the sense of, you know, here's people having high school level drama and cool kids and cliques and romance. I, and That's I, my I, guess. I can tell you broadly the plot of Emma is essentially she is like good at, at setting people up, but like unlucky in love herself sort of. And then mm. until she meets a a guy and i i think that she's named share in this that movie. is I, yep i could have told you that and she wears a yellow plaid there's like an iconic outfit i think or maybe more than one yeah but i don't i don't know if you had a, a an alicia silverstone crush i probably still have an alicia silverstone crush not that long ago i watched the movie blast from the past mm. with my kids and boy does that movie have an incredible cast in retrospect with many oscar winners including brendan fraser i was gonna say brendan uh, fraser yeah christopher walken is he uh Sissy Spacek. Is that the one that um, Kehui Huang is in also? Or is that, am I confusing that with another Brendan Fraser who just won the uh, uh, Academy Award? I don't think. He's in a movie with Brendan Fraser of that era. I think he's in Encino. Is it Encino Man? Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I I always think Alicia Silverstone is is very good. In the movies that I've seen her, I think she's funnier than people expect her to be in. And I haven't seen this one, so I'm excited to see it. I really, I'm shocked that I haven't seen this movie, so I'm, I'm glad yeah, to be getting I, off the list. I'm trying to think of the only thing I can remember seeing Elisa Silverstone in, in this era was she played Batgirl uh, in <laughs> one of the terrible Batman movies. Right. And she was in all the Aerosmith videos, so I remember those. Mm, okay. Well. I didn't have MTV, so I never really watched music videos. Mm. Anyway. Well, Lex and I are going to sit down and watch this movie, and after this movie, we're going to talk about our impressions of it. And right now, Dan, we're clueless about it. <laughs> but we're going to get clued in later. Yeah, we will. Uh, but, uh, Lex, if if someone wasn't just satisfied with hearing us talk about this movie after the movie... And why should they be? They can absolutely, Dan, watch it with us. <gasps> what? Yeah. This is all they have to do is become members of The Incomparable. The Incomparable is you know this massive network of podcasts curated and run by our dear friend Jason Snell. And the idea is if you uh, commit to paying The Incomparable some amount of money each month by becoming an Incomparable member, you get all kinds of perks. You get bonus episodes of many shows. You get bootleg episodes of, of shows. You get access to all kinds of things, including watch-along commentary tracks for not playing. That's true. And this is how it works, Dan. All they have to do is go to theincomparable.com slash members to sign up. And then they can choose to send not playing some portion of their subscription because that's how we rake in the big box. Woohoo! Yeah. I mean, we got to afford all of these movies and trial services to streaming. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of subscription plans out there. Uh, so choose the one that's right for you. And uh, if you're already an incomparable member, it's never a bad time to uh, update your allocations to support us or to just upgrade your membership and start spending even more with the incomparable. <laughs> you love remember, them that much. The more you spend, the more you save. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the movie well, there we have it dan well we, we have, have now seen <laughs> we've now seen clueless all right first impressions Actually, not bad. Honestly, I would put this in a solid B rate. I mean, like, there's stuff as we discussed, as always, when we watch older movies. Oh, Twin Capital was an associate producer, by the way. Hmm. That doesn't age well, right? Because it's the 90s. Yeah. But I thought it was much smarter than I expected it to be, like, and self aware. And that goes a long way for me. And I feel like, I don't know, it was some good performances. I think Alicia Silverstone did a nice job. So I guess. 
I, I liked it. You said a solid B. I, I think I'm probably like B minus C plus. Okay. And I, I don't mean that to like besmirch the good name of Clueless, but it's one of those ones where I think it is likely better with nostalgia than sure. watch now. I liked it. I think that some of its tropes were already tropey, right? Yes. I'm trying to not judge it too unfairly, but it, it wasn't – I think that the, the dialogue and the – honestly, the, the, the fashion and look, that felt new and different. But the story – obviously, if you're going to be oh, yeah. covering a story um, – then you're going to have this problem. But it, it felt like we didn't do anything new on plotting. And in fact, we, we rehashed a bunch of stuff we've seen a lot. That well, I mean, it literally is based on a novel right. that's like 200 years old. 200 years old? Yeah. I can't do math. 100 years old? <laughs> I don't Which remember. is how old Paul Rudd is now. I know, but it looks great. It Amazing. looks great. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that front. For it's not nothing, nothing fancy from a plot point of view. I mean, it's a rom-com, right? Like, and it's yeah. definitely hitting all the rom-com notes. And there's some weirdness, as we mentioned. It's a little weird that it's the like ex stepbrother, <laughs> but again, yeah. I feel like even in the source material, those things kind of were based on, you know, like the Emma or Jane Austen novels and stuff at the time, like. The idea that you had like relations, sometimes like a cousin or something who was going to inherit, right? And so there would be marriages to arrange for like property and stuff to get handed down. Like in some ways, that's not anything new. It's just weirder in this context than it would be in other contexts. But I don't know. I I think the dialogue, like you said, the dialogue and the costuming especially is very creative um, and does a nice job of actually mixing it up a bit. And I'm okay with that if you're going to take something old and do sort of a, a remix on it, basically. Yeah. I think that's successful. You know, it's funny. When I think about music, I care a whole lot about the lyrics of music. And when I think about a movie, I care a whole lot, a whole lot about the dialogue. And obviously, mm-hmm. Amy Heckerling is a pretty good writer. Yeah. And I enjoy when, especially in this kind of thing, like, because I think it, I, <laughs> it was the Buffy High School, but like, it also felt like some of the way that Buffy would invent its own language or, or use language in new ways. And I like that. Like I like referring to people as Betty's and Barney's or Baldwin's, the, the three most famous Flintstones. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I enjoyed the way that it, uh, that they used words. I thought that was fun. Yeah, no, I agree. They, it gave it something that made it a little more interesting to watch, right? Because they, had these sort of multiple levels of things going on that maybe took you a little like stuff that I feel like you miss on an initial uh, sort of run through, right? Like you might not catch the first time. Uh, and I think that's like, like you, I agree that that's the kind of thing that elevates some material otherwise, because it might just be very rote. So I think that was a, a the part of this, the, that intrigued me the most. I don't know. I mean, uh, a lot of, a lot of talent in this movie that I feel like, you know, Paul Rudd obviously gone on to very big things. Alicia Silverstone's still around, but I don't think she does quite as much right. acting as she used to. She did something somewhat recently. Yeah, as we I, was this, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. I thought Bre- Brecken Meyer, who is kind of, a, I feel like a staple of these kinds of films from this era, uh, is really good in this. Like, it, again, it's not like a role with a lot of breath or anything, but I think he no, totally we, nails it. <laughs> you're going up against like Spicoli. Right? Right. Yeah. I thought he did that just fine. Yeah. No, I thought that was solid. I thought he held his own. Yeah. I love Donald Faison. Uh, This is not the best role for him, but... um, (laughs) It's not the best role for anyone. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Well, maybe Alicia Silverstone. I think this is probably her most successful role. No, I meant meant the role that Donald Faison Ah, played. There's nobody who could play that role and be great because it's a pretty crappy person. The the writing of that role is is definitely dicier, especially from, in retrospect, you know, 2020. 
plus years on more right i can't do math ask chat gpt because it's been 23 years just since 2000 (laughs) i don't i don't need to hear that it's almost 30 years on i guess yeah 28 years since the movie was released man yeah and yet the 90s feel like they were just yesterday (laughs) yeah but no i mean it's it's definitely funny you can see why it was loved for sure and i really do think like i think it could be very easy to make this movie much worse, right? From the same script. <laughs> because you need somebody who can carry that lead role and not be hated by you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Alicia Silverstone is really likable in it. Like, she's really like, I mean, it helps that she's, I think, you know, very beautiful in this movie as well. But like, she's, she, she does not make the character a uh, cartoon, which I think is right. Good. Yes, they're three dimensional. I mean, even, yeah. And I think that's where probably some of the source material, you know, adapting it from a Jane Austen movie helps a bit. And because it sort of combines that with the, the, the satirical elements, right? Like it is, it is kind of sending up the very, uh, you know, social aspect that it's, that it's representing, right? Like it is not taking that aspect of it very seriously necessarily. So that, that helps sort of, uh, you know, let you be tongue-in-cheek about it as you go through it. Yeah. And, um, I don't the like, there are definitely some very trite characters, including her father <laughs> and the stoner and, and others, but I don't, it does all really work. Now, I want to take a quick sojourn. We, we talked while we were watching about whether um, the, the family is Jewish, and Amy Heckerling has said no, but uh, I'm, I'm flagging some points that I noted to you while we were watching and then some that I'm seeing on IMDb. Their last name is Horowitz. There is a mezuzah on their front door, which is like the little thing that you see on the homes of the doorposts of, of many Jewish families. And all three actors of those family members, <laughs> including Lisa Silverstone, are Jewish. So I'm, I'm saying yes, that the writer is wrong. And in fact, that is a Jewish family. So I just want you to know that, Dan. That's my analysis. I also uh, appreciated the, uh, from the Wikipedia article, this was, we mentioned, adapted, uh, there was a spinoff TV series, <laughs> including several of the um, actors from the movie. Oh, interesting. And there is also, there was, a, there was a pitched series in 2020 that was supposed to sort of have like a drama series version interesting um books but my personal favorite a uh, stage musical as well my personal favorite a video game cd-rom <laughs> and then there were pc game versions as well of clueless mean girls and pretty in pink some wow. of which may have not been released but were, I, did exist so that is some pretty good uh frankly <laughs> just bizarre like those are the adaptations you had in 90s i was thinking today about like every (laughs) every like movie had to have like a video game tie-in in in, like the 90s because video games were the hot new thing and they were almost uniformly all terrible (laughs) right um but this couldn't have been worse than the teenage mutant ninja turtles video game but um, wait which one there's some good ones (laughs) I, i had one i guess for the original nintendo that was just like impossible that was like the, was that one with like a top down view where yeah. you like, yeah that was a yeah. bad game but the second one's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There was there were a lot of performances I really liked. Like I thought Brittany Murphy was really good. Yeah, and I thought her consistency with that accent was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she also sounded Jewish to me. Um, uh, Stacey Dash, who who was Dion, I, she seemed great, and I was like, she was the oldest of all of them. Yeah, <laughs> definitely don't definitely don't read her Wikipedia page about her politics. 
Oh, no. <laughs> well, there's also a scene where um, we watch Alicia Silverstone get mugged. <laughs> Don't read that guy's Wikipedia page either. Oh, no. Because that got really dark. <laughs> wow. Well, <Yeah>. if, <laughs> I believe he's in jail now, as well he should be. Well, you know, I guess if you're going to uh, hire, it's sort of a method piece there. <laughs> that is a random scene in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and actually, it's it's played like pretty lightly, but terrifying, right? Yes, <laughs> because yeah, now you're exactly. far from home with no cell phone <laughs> and, and no money. I don't like that. But she just, she kept her calm. We should definitely discuss the technology present in this movie, which in the '90s, obviously, you and I uh, were teenagers as well. And did you have a did you have a cell phone in the '90s? I probably in '98 or '99. I got it while I was in college. Oh wow! I didn't have one until 2000. Until I graduated from college, I, I bought it. On, I impulse bought it at um, probably at the Natick Mall or the Framingham Mall. Oh, a, a well-known teenage hangout of mine. That's why I mentioned it because yeah, I figured you no, would know them. I, I spent quite a quite a few quite a few listless days wandering around the Natick Mall in the late nineties. Uh, perhaps we crossed paths. I, I don't know. I like that. I was marveling at how small some of the cell phones were that era. Because my memory, the 1990s cell phones, this is 95, so it was probably shot in what, 93, 94. And I still in my head have them as like the big 1980s bricks. Uh, but I guess they were smaller at that point. She has a computer that picks out her outfits. Right, with a touchscreen. With a no touchscreen. Obviously, the technology is dated, and they, they can only use their phones in certain ways, but it didn't feel ridiculous to me. Like, I, And I also think that it must have know. been advanced for its time. Like that the, the fact that all those people had cell phones, I think, was meant to speak in large part to the fact that they were fabulously they're, wealthy. Yeah, they're rich, right, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. There are so many cases where you would think uh, in your head, like, Oh, well, if they just had the internet, it would solve this problem. But honestly, I feel like that's actually a testament to this movie's plot construction. Is It doesn't feel to me, even not having the internet as a thing at that time, uh, didn't feel to me like, ah, oh, this is laughable how, you know, simple this would be today, right? Aside from that one scene where they're like you're trying to use the map <laughs> to, to figure out where <laughs> something is in L.A. But other than that, honestly, uh, it feels it has a certain timeless quality to it, I feel like, which is one of the other things I think works in its favor. You know, there's a lot of times when you see a movie that's, uh, like aspects of it are so dated that it's hard to look past like oh this is just ridiculous but if so much of what, what this actually focuses on like in terms of the personal relationships and the performances feels like it doesn't need to be even be tied to a specific time yeah. it's and it's interesting because it's very easy for at least some of the technology to be laughably dated and obviously this is it's dated but you're right it does not suck you out in a way it feels it feels like well handled and not embarrassing other than probably the touchscreen outfit generator which was meant <laughs> as a joke then i think yeah but agreed. um i don't know i i think that what surprised me about the movie was like you said it it's self-aware and self facing i guess a little bit like it's 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 aware of its stupidity but the characters themselves aren't aware of the ridiculousness and i think that was a smart move like the fact that they they have like you said before they're three-dimensional but they also like they have it feels like they're a living life that's not shown on screen like the the movie Mm -hmm. took a couple not not like complicated jumps like you didn't have to be paying strict aaron sorkin script level attention here to know what was happening but like we saw uh, she worked to get the two teachers to fall in love, and then we saw, hey, that had worked, and now they're in love. Like it, it allowed us to take some leaps and trusted us and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was smarter than I expected. I yeah, guess agreed. What I'm to say. Agreed. I, I feel like there's a lot of stories that would have taken that and reduced it a little more to stereotypes. And this this has yeah. its problems, right? We we can't leave out the. <laughs> Although I think his character actually comes out okay in the end, um, but like the 
uh, stereotypes of Christian, the uh, the the one gay character who I I think is actually a pretty sympathetic character, but they just sort of play up to like every stereotype about being gay in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some some word choices yep. and lines of dialogue they like to have back, but they don't dwell on them, which is no. nice. And like it does seem like I don't know. One thing that it did that I don't feel like a ton of movies were doing in the nineties was like just casually show some well-handled issues of race in the sense that Mm. it wasn't a huge factor right she had her best friend was black there were you know the black characters weren't reduced to stereotypes like and i appreciated that as at least not feeling because that if you didn't do that right then the movie is like horrifically painfully dated Mm. to watch now Mm -hmm. but like i don't know there were there were a couple moments where you are very cringy but mostly it, it and honestly even with christian like you are meant to like Christian. Yeah, so exactly. They did hit on all those stereotypes, but like they also he's they not wanted a, you to like him. He's still an interesting character, actually. On it, e- right. even in that, right? Like they didn't. He's not just a stereotype. It's just they they play up the stereotypes as part of like the joke of like, oh, you didn't notice all these stereotypical things about him being gay, but he's actually. I think an extremely well-rounded character. Like he, he comes off a little insufferable at the beginning, but then like as stuff goes along, I just, I really enjoyed the, like, then they go shopping together and hang out yeah. and all that. Right. Like, I don't know. It's, it feels like so many of the things that are cringy are things that I think it's impossible to have any movie of its era, not have some things that viewed almost 30 years later, you won't go like, yeah, you know, we've, we've advanced since then, or like we've, you know, uh, uh, realized some of our shortcomings since then. But in the grand scheme of things, I think this is pretty much almost as good as you could hope in that direction, at least. Yeah, I think that's right. There's not a lot here where you think about the direction, right? That's, and which is a style of direction all its own, right? It's, it's not like, you know, really interestingly staged shots most of the time, but I did enjoy the choreography of the moment when they are, uh, both on cell phones <laughs> then mm-hmm. oh, two seconds later are next to each other in the hallway i thought yeah. that was staged well I, no, appreciate uh, that. I think it's it's a very competently directed movie um like you said it doesn't need to as a you know rom-com i feel like it's not something that necessarily pushes the envelope as a genre when it comes to mm. cinematography or what have you um but this is you know perfectly well shot i don't think I had any significant issues with it, and it had a performance by the Mighty Mighty Boston. So, what's not to like, Lex? <laughs> and uh, at least according to the credits, that Mighty Mighty Boston's song was written in part by Tim Burton. And I'm curious if it's the same Tim Burton, but that's what it said in the credits. Huh. Well, <laughs> so somebody do that homework for us and let us know. So, what are we? What are we going to do next? That's a great question, Lex. Uh, next, we're going to have another episode of Not Playing with another movie that one or both of us haven't seen, but whose movie pick is it? Dan, I, I want to do some quick real-time follow-up. It's a different Tim Burton. Oh, he is known professionally now as Johnny Vegas, not the same Tim Burton. Oh, but is it the same Johnny Vegas? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. That's not actually a joke. My assumption is yes, because Johnny Vegas isn't linked anywhere else. <laughs> but it's, no, he's not. He's the no. He's, there's an English comedian who is also oh. better known as Johnny Vegas. Oh, I, of course, yeah, from Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put in the show notes. <laughs> Just try to stop us. Uh, so okay, but so you were saying we we don't yet know whose movie who will not have seen next week's movie yet. Correct, unless you know next something episodes. that I don't no. know. But I'm excited. Well, we'll find out when we uh, return for our second episode of season nine of Not Playing. Wow. But until then, Dan. Keep watching the clues.
Hey, there you go. And again, if you if you've just finished listening to us talk about it, you're like, man, I wish I could watch along with them. Don't forget to check out what it looks like to become a, a member of the Incomparable. Theincomparable.com slash membership. Members. I think. Members. Yeah. Theincomparable.com slash Nine members. seasons. We know what we're doing. I certainly don't. The the shaving foley is absolutely giving me uh, goosebumps right now. ASMR. I cannot. Oh, it's the bad kind. <laughs> I cannot handle it.